All right, this morning I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to the book of Obadiah. Obadiah is a small book, so if you're, if you move past it too quickly, uh, you're gonna have to go back and find it. Um, it's pretty easy if you can find the book of Jonah, Obadiah is right in front of it. Obadiah is right in front of it. And Obadiah is a very interesting book. I mean, it's not that big. I mean, you can read it in like less than three minutes. Uh, if you read it more intently, you can read it in four minutes. Uh, it's really small, 21 verses. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of material that's in it. And, and, and the, 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 the book of Obadiah is, is very interesting. It's, it's very similar to what we saw the other day where this isn't necessarily written to Israel. But it involves Israel. We saw the other day, uh, you know, obviously there was a book that was written to the, to Nineveh talking about the, the judgment that was coming upon them. The same thing that we see with other books that are talking about judgment coming upon Israel, judgment coming upon other nations. This book, Obadiah, is, uh, is about Edom. And Edom is a very particular nation that you don't see around anymore. I mean, you can still go over there and try to look for Palestinians, uh, or excuse me, Phil, uh, Philistines, and you're going to find them related to some of the Palestinians that are over there. But with the Edomites, you're not going to find much of them anymore. Because God proclaimed a very serious judgment upon them. And this morning, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a, a very interesting turn when we start looking at the practical component of this. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole passage, not going to read the whole book. We're going to read some very key important principles of the book. I encourage you to read it yourself. But I want us to understand that this is talking about Edom's heart, Edom's sin, and Edom's judgment. And we have to understand the principles about why God is proclaiming this to Edom and the heritage of Esau. But let's go ahead and pray. We'll get started this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again for all that you've done for us. And I pray, Lord, that as we endeavor to please you this morning by learning about you and learning of you, that, Lord, you would guide us, direct us, and give us very clearly, Lord, your instruction from this passage. Lord, I pray that you would just set me aside and you would just use uh, uh, use me to, to, to deliver your word, Lord, in a way that's pleasing and honoring. And Lord, again, I just thank you for all that are here. Our prayer, our hearts are prayer, prepared and ready to receive what you have for us. And this I ask and pray in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the book of o- o- Obadiah starts off in verse one, the vision of Obadiah. Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. And he says, we have heard a rumor from the Lord and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, let us go, uh, excuse me, arise ye and let us rise up against her in battle. So here we are seeing right out of the gate that God's saying, now's the time for you to be judged, Edom. I'm preparing nations to come against you and battle against you to destroy you. Now, Edom is very clearly Esau's heritage. We see over there in the book of Genesis, it points out and it says that Edom is, or that Esau is Edom. And from Esau, who was Jacob's brother, 
which we know from Jacob came the 12 tribes of Israel. From him stemmed that promise. From, from Esau, we saw a lot of problems. He despised his birthright and sold it. He didn't receive the blessings because of the way that he had, uh, uh, just, if you will, despised the things that came from God. The blessing of his father was more important than the blessing of God in Esau's life. God had it so that Esau was born first. That was his birthright. And he didn't care about that. He sold it. Later on, he, he, he was very concerned about it. Later on, he tried to repent. Later on, he tried to get it back, but he couldn't. And it led to a great bitterness in, in Esau. And that, be, that, that, that bitterness and that pride that was there with Esau continued into his heritage, continued into his, his sons and the people here that we find with Esau's heritage. It's interesting to note that there's a parallel passage to the book of, of, of Obadiah found in Jeremiah chapter 49. In Jeremiah chapter 49, verses 7 through 22, you find almost, uh, uh, if you will, uh, uh, a, a, a very similar account with similar wording, similar phrases, similar uh, intent being given here, where, where Jeremiah is proclaiming all of these other nations are going to be judged. And I think that sometimes people forget about that. We see Israel's going to be judged during the tribulation time. They're going to be purged out. But we also understand that the other Gentile nations on the earth will be judged because there's going to be things that are happening to the entire world, not just Israel. Uh, we're going to see things that, that are going to happen to certain nations. And this is one of these nations that, if you will, it's very unique in that this prophecy that was fully fulfilled, the judgment that came upon Edom, that is going to be fulfilled, if you will, again. Because this, this book is about a warning. This book is about a warning. Here you've got it stuffed in the middle of these minor prophets, and in the middle of these minor prophets, where it's dealing with the kingdom of God, it's dealing with the tribute, excuse me, the kingdom of heaven, and it's dealing with the, the tribulation time, it's dealing with the second advent where Jesus Christ is coming to rule and reign. You've got all of those things surrounding Israel and what's going on, but do you understand that there's other nations outside of Israel? And how they respond to Israel dictates how God is going to respond to them. So there's a lot that we can learn from this. There's a lot that we can see how nations are going to learn from it. And we find out more about Esau here, more about Edom and what's going on. We, we, we find that God paints a very vivid picture of what Edom's problem really is. In verse 3 of this, it says here, he says in verse 3, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, as the eagle, and though thou settest thy nest among the stars, since will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. Now, there's a lot here when it comes to that, and we'll address this in just a second. But I want to point out that the major problem with Edom's heart 
is their pride. Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 16 says almost the exact same thing. The issue is pride in the heart. Pride in the heart. God does not like pride. As a matter of fact, to, 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 to God, pride in, in that proud look is, is abominable. He looks at it and says, it's an abomination. He can't stand it. He, he, he doesn't like it. He points out that the, the, the problem with, with, uh, with Sodom, that their sin was pride. We find that pride ruins many a thing in scripture. Josiah's heart, who is one of the greatest kings, uh, he, he gets lifted up with pride and he goes and he picks a fight with a pharaoh that he didn't, wasn't supposed to pick a fight with and he dies in battle. We see over and over again, kings getting lifted up with pride and being struck down. Over in the book of Acts, when, when Herod stands up and they, they, they were talking about how it was like, oh, it's like words from gods and, and what happens to him? He's struck down and he's eaten of worms. We, 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 we see that what pride does, pride, pride deceives, pride clouds judgment, it clouds thinking, it clouds, uh, 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 our, our reaction to the word of God. And we find that this very distinct imagery is talking about Edom's sin and what they, what was happening with it. And, and pride is one of those sins that when pride enters into a heart, pride brings along a whole host of other sins. And one of the biggest ones that it brings in is falsehood and lies. Because we find right there in verse 3, it says, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. You know what happens with pride? You begin deceiving yourself. Yeah. Why is that? Because you think you're the best of the best of the best. Right? Well, guess what? You're not. There's somebody that's better than you. There's somebody that's better than you. Kind of a disturbing thing when my mom was teaching us boys... She always said, you know, if you guys ever get involved in a fight, she said a couple of things I want you to remember. There's no such thing as a fair fight. Unless you're in a boxing ring, there's no such thing as a fair fight. If you're involved in a fight, you fight to win. And and always remember this. There's always going to be a better fighter than you. There's always going to be a better fighter than you. Somebody's going to be quicker. Somebody's going to be faster. She said, therefore, fight dirty. (laughs) <laughs> that's my mom <laughs> fight dirty so she taught us to fight dirty <clears throat> and I'm talking dirty dirty <laughs> there's no holds bar you're in a fight you fight Okay. there's no sitting there trading blows and punches like some of these street fights you see it's like no 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 you're, you're fighting to win and I'll tell you this we get lifted up with pride. How many boxers do you see get lifted up with pride? How many MMA fighters get lifted up with pride? They go out there and they start boasting about it. And then three seconds into the thing, some guy does a roundhouse kick and drops them like a sack of potatoes. And they're on the ground, planked out. And they're just laying there and and, and the other guy's just like, Where was the pride? 
And the Bible talks about taking heed lest, you know, lest we fall. We shouldn't fall into the same trap Israel fell into. We shouldn't fall into the same trap Obadiah, or not Obadiah, but Edom, uh, 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 fell into that Obadiah is pointing out. We shouldn't, we shouldn't fall into those things. We should learn the lesson. Because in verse 7, it also shows that deceit comes from without as well. Not only is there deceit that occurs from within, but there's a deceit that occurs without. In verse 7 here, he says, All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee, that they may eat thy bread and have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. He's saying, you're, you're going to get snookered. You're going to get sucker punched. These people that you thought were their friends, or your friends, these people that you thought were treating you nice, these people that you thought at peace, they're going to come after you. Why? Because they've deceived you. Why is that? Because you allowed yourself to be deceived by your own heart. Because of pride. Pride will yield deceit in your life. It yields, the, it opens the door to, to, to deceit coming in and falsehoods and false doctrines and everything else that's out there. And that's what pride yields. I've seen people that you try to show them something from the Word of God and they're like, oh, I, I, no, no, you don't need to show me something from the Word of God. God already told that to me. And I, like I said this morning, some, you know, guy tells and says, oh, no, 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 no. I know what this is all about. God came to me in a dream and showed me. Step back away from that guy. <laughs> just say, you have yourself a nice day now and just move on. Because of their pride. They think they've got some direct revelation from God. Look, there is nothing new under the sun. Solomon wrote that in this book. So you know what? There is no new special revelation that's coming out of this book. It's all right here. It's been read how many times by how many thousands of people, by millions of people, millions of times, billions if I dare say so. And all of a sudden somebody thinks they've got some new corner on the things of the Word of God. That's because of pride. They begin, they're led into deceit. But what we see here is that with that, that open door to deceit, it leads to this improper, sinful attitude of the heart. Take a look at what happens here. The, the, this sin that occurred with Edom is here they are in a position where God has blessed them. God blessed Esau. God told the nation of Israel, don't mess with the Edomites. They're your brother. I've given them something. They have that area over in Seir. That's theirs. Just leave them alone. Let them do their thing. That's theirs. The Edomites, see, nation of Israel, started to go through troubles and trials and difficulties because of their sin. And rather than being what a good brother should do, which is come alongside and bear ye one another's burdens, helping a, a helping a brother or a sister with a fault, encouraging them in the Lord, trying to help them. 
Here's what Edom does in verse 10. For the violence against thy brother Jacob's uh, um, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. So here's what happened. The pride led to, to deceit, and that deceit led to a violent attitude towards their family, towards their brother. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast one of them. So Jerusalem and all of these uh, these nations are coming in and they're plundering the Syrians, the Babylonians, all these nations coming in and they're looting the place. What does Edom do? Edom doesn't stand back and and pray. Edom doesn't stand back and and say, "Oh, we got to help them. We got to we, we you know we, we we've got to do something." We've got to, you know, help those that, that are, that are going through this, that are in this tribulation. We need to do something. No, they just entered into it. Hey, they get to pillage. Now it's our turn. Now it's time to get back at Israel. Get back at Jacob. In verse 12, it says, but thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he uh, be, became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the day that the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You know, I'll tell you this. Sometimes when people are going through something, the last thing that they need to hear is, I told you so. Last time, last thing that needs to happen, and, 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 and trust me, I... I'm very, very careful about this because I know what the Bible says about it. And we'll see some passages here in just a moment. But we got to be very careful about when we see somebody that maybe is doing things wrong and is doing things sinful. We shouldn't be the first ones out there to go, yeah, they got it. Because that's what Edom did. And God said, that's shameful. We shouldn't sit there and, and, and champion when somebody is injured in such a way. Here they are watching the nation of Israel go through the, the hardest day, and they're standing there in their pride going, well, who's the chosen one now? They're standing there during their affliction and what's going on. They're, they're, they're laughing at them in the destruction. They're participating in the looting. Could you imagine it? There's some, there's some Israelite. They're hiding in their home. The door kicks open and they're expecting a Babylonian soldier and it's an Edomite and they're like, Oh, will you help me? And they're like, No, give me your stuff. And they begin to laugh at him and deride him and say, You deserve this. This is all your fault. Well, it is. But they shouldn't have entered into that mentality because it was prideful. And God said, you shouldn't have done it. In verse 13, he says, Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. The gates were left open in Jerusalem, and they just walked in and they began taking stuff. 
This is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. You know what that is? Pride. Stealing is pride. It's a pride sin. Taking something that you didn't earn, that you didn't work for, that doesn't belong to you. Covetousness is pride. Lust is pride. Adultery is pride. Those are all pride-filled sins that originate because there's pride in the heart that needs to be removed. In verse 14, he says, Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. I just want to paint a picture. Jerusalem's getting sacked. They come in following the Babylonians, participating in the raids, participating in the pillaging and the destruction. They're laughing at Israel. They're laughing at the Hebrews being slaughtered. They, 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 they're, they're lifted up with pride like, you know, hey, you guys are getting punished and we're, we're, we're fine now. We're actually getting rich off of you. They're taking their stuff. And then when they try to escape, they stand in the way saying, no, you can't come this way. You got to go the other way, right into the arms of the enemy. And furthermore, any of you that we find, we're going to deliver you right to the Babylonians. Now remember, Esau and Israel are brothers. Edom, Israel are brothers. Esau and Jacob are brothers. And God said, you let that happen to your family? Edom, are you still a little bitter about the birthright and the blessing? You think maybe you should have been the one lifted up with pride? But here's what they do. Violence against their their, their brother, violence against who, who, who God had already, you know, selected and who God had chosen. In verse three, going back there, I want you to see this. It says, "The pride of thine, ang- or, excuse me, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, that thou dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, who said, saith in his heart, who shall bring me to the ground?" And they're sitting there boasting about it. Well, who's going to bring us down now? Well, I like it in the fact that God answers him in verse four, and He says, "Since I will bring thee down, saith the Lord." Very last part of the verse, he says, I will do it. You raise yourself up in pride like that, I will bring you down. And this is a warning and a caution to every nation that lifts itself up in pride. Every, a caution to every nation that stands by and watches destruction occur. One that stands by and watches destruction occur to Israel. And I, and I can only, I, I can't help but see Part of the, if you will, the tribulation going on where there's all these other nations watching in horror as the beast and his armies trample through Jerusalem, hunting Jews down, just like the Holocaust. You know, there was nations during World War II that said, we will not harbor 
any Jew. The Jews came in and they captured him and they turned him over to the Nazis. It's horrific. And then you got, and then you got some people out there calling themselves fundamental Baptists out there saying that the Holocaust was a lie. Yeah, okay, whatever. Again, you know what pride does? Deceives them. Deceives them. And I look at this and I realize <laughs> that the Lord's going to take care of us. The Lord's going to handle it. During the tribulation, nations are going to have a choice. Are they going to stand with the beast or are they going to stand with Israel? Are they going to stand with God's chosen people? Are they going to help them? You know those verses over there that talk about when they that uh, when they're they, you know tired, naked, and hungry, and they're clothing them and stuff like that. Those are passages and references to what the nations do and what the people do when Israel is fleeing and running for its life. Those are all passages that speak to individuals and people about what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to approach the situation. Just because the beast is in charge doesn't mean that you have to follow what he says. And as we think about this and we think about what the Lord is doing and how the Lord is bringing them down, the, the application for those future nations in, during the tribulation, it becomes very apparent that God's going to say, I'm going to execute this kind of judgment upon you. You're going to be destroyed. Because in the end, what would we find out here? What do we find out what happens? And as you go towards the end, a part of here in verse 17, he says, But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle them and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord hath spoken it. When's the last time you ran into an Edomite? And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain of the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. You know what God said? Over there in Deuteronomy, he said, Don't 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 mess with the Edomites, that's theirs. Seir is theirs, just let them have it. It's theirs. That's their promise. Esau Edom does the same thing. That blessing, that promise that God gave them was not enough that they had to go in violence and pride take from their brother in the day of affliction. It wasn't enough. They wanted more. And God says, I'm going to destroy every last one of you. And furthermore, that land that I was promised... Jacob gets it. That birthright that you despised, Jacob gets it. That blessing, because you love the blessing of your physical father, then God and the birthright, Jacob gets it. This is what happens when people despise. Because that's what pride does. Pride builds us up. And if you look at verse 3, you you can't read verse 3 
and not have a bit of a flashback to Isaiah 14. Verse 3, and he says there, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, who said it in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground. Doesn't that sound familiar? Turn over to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Take a look at verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Who is this talking about? I mean, this is pretty apparent, right? We're talking about the devil. We're talking about Satan. We're talking about that old dragon. We're talking about the prince of the power of the air, the one that... uh, uh, wanted to soar like an eagle and make his nest in the stars? That one. And what does it say here? He says, how thou art fallen the son of the morning. Uh, he says, how art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? And he's saying, you're going to fall. Lucifer, you're going to get cut down to the ground, just like Edom is going to get cut down to the ground. Well, what was Lucifer's problem? says in verse 13, For thou said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. This is very much talking about Satan himself. And here he is, raising himself up. He's trying to say, no, who's going to bring me down? I want you to understand how 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 pride-driven Lucifer is. How pride-driven Satan is. And why pride is such a satanic mindset. Why? Because I want you to think about this. Here is a created being. A cherubim. The anointed cherub that covered the throne of God, as it says over in Ezekiel. He was the fifth one. There's four that are there now. He was the fifth one that had a throne that was over God. It would cover it. And he had musical instruments built into him. He had all of these stones that just would... Could you imagine the sparkle from the, the, the glory of God that would shine upon them and what it would look like? All these things. Here he is in his beauty. And he's lifted up in pride. He's lifted up in pride. And in pride, he thinks he's still going to win. Look, have you ever tried to do something and somebody looks at you and says, yeah, that's not going to work? How many times have we just kind of gotten a little defiant and go, huh, I'm going to do it anyways, right? That's not going to work. You can't do that. No, don't, no, no, don't try it. And we're like, mm, well, I'm going to do it anyways. And, 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 and with every fiber of our being, we're going to make it work, right? Even if it kills us, we're going to make it work. And we get people warning us and we get people saying, don't do it. And we're still deceived into thinking that we can. 
wise men, wise women come and they counsel us and they say, you're going to ruin your life. Don't do it. You're going to destroy yourself and those around you. Don't do it. And then we still do it. Here, here, here is the, the anointed cherub that covered the throne of God. He saw everything get created. He knows the power of God. He knows who God is. He was created by God. And he still says, I'm going to be like God. He never can be like God. Why? Because he's created and God's eternal. God's never had a beginning nor an end. Lucifer certainly had a beginning, and he certainly had an end. We're, we'll have an end, excuse me. It's, it's very, very apparent. He tries to become the authority. He tries to become the only power. He tries to become all of this. And he knows who God is. He knows and understands that God is standing there in all His glory and God is standing there with everything that He has and everything that He's uh, uh, about. And he, 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 Lucifer still thinks he can do this. Edom, knowing who Israel is, still thought they could do what they could do against Israel. It's very clear that pride's a deceiver. Let's be real clear here. Look, Satan is a deceiver. He always has been. He always will be. Did he not deceive Eve in the garden? Where did he learn that from? When he deceived himself in pride. We would sit there and think to, to ourselves, oh, well, yeah, how dumb does he have to be? Oh, no, 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 no. He ain't dumb. Still thinks he's going to win, though. Even though he knows what the end of the book says. He still thinks that. And I say all that to say this, that God says this is what pride is like. Now, if you're a believer here today, you know for a fact that God is more powerful than Satan. That's without a shadow of a doubt. Did Lucifer die on the cross for anybody's sins? Does he even care about somebody who's going to die in their sins? No. Look at what he did with, with, with Judas. Was he there to comfort Judas? When he realized he betrayed innocent blood? No, he, the devil left him. Left him a shell and a hollow man that went and committed suicide. That's what the devil leaves. God doesn't. God gives life. God gives comfort. God gives hope. God gives peace. God gives joy. And the gifts that the Lord just keeps giving and 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 giving. 
What gifts has the, has the devil ever given? Well, he doesn't because he's selfish. He only cares about himself. He still wants to try to get at God any way he can. Turn over the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 24, here's a practical application. Let's never get to a point where we are so deceived in our pride that we begin to look at other people and we begin to laugh at their calamity and we begin to rejoice in their destruction and we begin to, if you will, get excited about somebody getting their just desserts or deserves, however you want to put it. Or both ways. But, but, but whatever it is, God warns us about our heart. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17, he says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Now, that's a very important thing to understand. And, and, and people will focus again a lot on well, turning away wrath and, and things like that. But, but, but the, you know, what I like to see is like the real key phrase of this, these two verses. It displease him. It displeases God when we do this. Why? Because it's pride filled. God exercises vengeance when vengeance is due. God exercises it in the way that He's going to exercise it, not in the way that we want to exercise it. Let's face it, folks. We're, we're, we're living in a day and age, uh, and look, I'm not trying to be foolish here, but yes, I am speaking a little bit as a fool. Look, I will not be surprised if at some moment in time I read an article in the news that some guy is dressed as a bat running around town fighting villains. I'm not going to be surprised. We're entering the day and age where vigilantes are, are starting to form. The other day, headline, Vigilante Stops Home Depot Thief. This guy got sick and tired of it. He's standing outside. He sees criminals running. He attacks them and beats them up. And we're just sitting there going, whoa. And sometimes we laugh at dumb criminals, and sometimes we laugh at, at the shenanigans that are there. But I tell you, it is a serious situation. Why? Because it just shows how hard we are as a human race going after sin. How much we love it, how much we seek it. And if we are Christians and we call ourselves to be uh, uh, followers of Christ, then we should by no means want to displease God with anything that we do. This was the sin of Eden. This is what they had done. 
Take a look at chapter 17 of the book of Proverbs in verse 5. Proverbs 17, 5. I remember reading this when I was younger. And I thought about it a lot. Verse 5, Whoso mocketh the poor reproacheth his maker. And he that is glad at calamities shall not be unpunished. Uh, That's a hard verse, isn't it? Because the world's mentality is, is when we see somebody getting what they deserve, we want to go, ha ha, look at you, you got it. Right? No, that shouldn't be our thought. You know what our thought should be? Another victim fall into sin. Lord, maybe they'll find, maybe they'll find you in jail. Maybe somebody in a jail ministry will show them the Word of God and show them salvation. Maybe they'll come out and they'll actually be reformed. I'm not talking about a Calvinist. But I'm talking about reformed as in they're changed, transformed. There's so many of them that are out there like that. There's evangelists. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Dave Spurgeon. You should hear some of his testimonies. You should hear some of the ones that are out there of individuals that have come out of those lives and they have done what? They're serving God. I'm so glad somebody didn't just laugh at them. I'm so glad that somebody sat there and took time to show them the Word of God. To show them salvation. That God still cared God still loved him, and God gave him, again, another chance. But God says, you, you, you get glad at calamities like that. You get glad when somebody else gets hurt. You, you, you enjoy that type of stuff. God says, there's something wrong with you. And it's pride in the heart. It's pride in the heart. This is the mentality that we're supposed to have over in Proverbs chapter 3, and we'll be done here. Proverbs chapter 3, and in verse 27. This is how Edom should have responded. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thy hand to do so. Don't hold it back. This morning we talked about being fruitful unto every good work. And here he is saying, don't withhold the good. Because if you know to do good and you don't do it, God calls it what? Sin. And here he's saying, if it's in your power to do it, do it. Why? Because God gave it to you so that you can do it. We begin to follow after Christ. Aren't you glad that it was in His power to do what He did upon the cross? Aren't you glad that it was in His power to do what He did upon His resurrection? Aren't you glad that He did what He has done according to His Word, and He is not a man that He should lie, and His promises remain true? 
I look at this book and I see that the book of Obadiah is about pride. And how pride will swiftly bring destruction. How pride will swiftly bring a person low. It will bring the devil low. It brought Edom low. It will bring any nation that rises up against God low. Do we not think that it will bring us low too? Pride leads to additional sins. Pride, pride, pride is, is, is like the doorman for sin. He opens it up and he says, come on in. And in comes what? Rebellion. In comes uh, defiance. In comes violence. In comes hatred, hard heart, willfulness, stubbornness. All of those things that God says should not be found in a Christian. Pride holds that door open and says, come on in, guys. And it leads us astray. The book about Obadiah, or the, excuse me, the Obadiah is a book that is a warning about the pride that affects the heart. To not let it happen. And if there is a time in all of a man's history that we need that, I guarantee you it will be during the tribulation. Now, we need it during every age. But there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be lifted up in pride. There's going to be a lot of people, including some Israelites, that are going to say, hey, I'm still on God's side. And God said, you don't even know who I am. And I don't even know who you are. It's a warning. Small little book, tucked away, right before the book of Jonah. Which is interesting, because if you read about pride, and then you go to Jonah and you go, wait a second, Jonah. (laughs) You're like, God put it that way for a reason. God has it that way for a reason. Let's heed the warning. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you again, Lord, for what you teach us about pride. Lord, how it's an abomination to you, how you don't want it, how you don't want anything to do with it. That, Lord, it is something that needs to be removed from our life. I pray, Lord, that we would just seek to do that, that we would seek to please you with everything that we do. That, Lord, we'd seek to fulfill your will and not our own. And that, Lord, pride would not be found in any of us. But, Lord, we'd be humble. That, Lord, we'd be yielded to you. And that, Lord, we'd be diligent servants, followers, and sons of you in all that we do. And I ask and pray this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.